Welcome one and all. You're there. We're here. This is the URG On The Go podcast, the true voice of the automotive recycling industry. We do our best each and every episode to bring you new, informative ways to improve your business. Anything that would help improve your bottom line. Chuck Camp, the producer, is in the studio. I'm DJ Harrington, your host, better known as the cardiologist, the doctor, and we give you a checkup from the neck up each and every week. This is a special edition of the URG podcast, and it's called the Labor Day Podcast. I've asked my wife, Sheila Harrington, to help with this. So what I'm going to do, very first thing is, can I ask you, first of all, thanks for joining the URG podcast. Can I ask you today to discuss Labor Day and how it came to be? And why do we here in the United States even celebrate Labor Day? Well, uh, Labor Day has become the unofficial end of summer, and uh, that, uh, kids are back in school. I know when I was growing up, that signaled to all the kids back then, because we were off three months, uh, when Labor Day happened, you were going to school the next week. So it always falls on the first Monday of every September, and it's really considered a national holiday in the U.S. for workers. Uh, children are out of school, obviously. The state and federal offices are also closed. And huge, uh, uh, Labor Day has huge origins in the labor movement. Really, the operative word in the Labor Day holiday is the word labor. There's some uncertainty as to really who deserves credit for the idea of Labor Day, but both men were union heads. Some people cite Peter uh, J. McGuire, a union uh, leader who was founded uh, the United Brotherhood of Carpenters, or it could have been possibly Matthew McGurry, a uh, machinist and secretary of the Central Labor Union. Boy, now, that's a mouthful. I'm interested in knowing more details. But at some point, America started celebrating Labor Day. But which of these two fathers of labor actually got involved in this thing, Sheila? Well, I'll be glad to handle, uh, talk about that for you. As I mentioned before, these two men were involved in the process. So most sources, including the Department of Labor for the United States, they really create, uh, credit Peter McGurry with the origination of uh, Labor Day. But recent evidence kind of suggests that the pure father of uh, Labor Day may in fact be Matthew McGuire. And they have similar spellings of their last name and pronunciations are a little bit different. But no matter which one it was, one of them planned and held a parade on Labor Day, uh, the first real Labor Day on September the 5th, 1882. There were about 10,000 workers who participated in that parade, and they held it in New York City. There is no particular significance to the date of September 5th for today. We always celebrate it no matter what the day is on the first day of September. But the reason they chose September for the parade is really because it fell halfway between July the 4th holiday and Thanksgiving holiday. All right. So now, Sheila, now that we got that part with the New York parade and so forth, would you discuss with our listeners some of the events that 
that brought this about? Well, certainly, as I mentioned, Labor Day is deeply rooted in about 130 years of the labor movement and its efforts to improve working conditions in America. When the Industrial Revolution really started, what customers, consumers were wanting was mass production. And they wanted it quicker, but they also wanted a bigger selection. And so they basically had been doing everything by hand. And that really, in turn, uh, created demand for labor and trained unions to kind of protect the workers. So around the 1850s, uh, with the push for shorter work days and some days off, because at that point they had been working around the clock, 12-hour days, every day of the week, the, the American worker was desperate for time off. And children were working alongside their parents as young as five or six. And those little children received only a fraction of what their parents or other adults made. So parents were making an average, as a common worker, a dollar to a dollar fifty a day. Now, if they had a more specialized job, then they probably made a little more per day. But imagine a young child as young as five or six still working as hard as they could but making only 10% or 20% of a daily wage. Now, if you think about it, a dollar, that's only 10 cents out of a dollar or 20 cents out of a dollar for a daily wage. I think that's terrible. Well, Shiva, before we take our first break, I really want to ask you this question. I can't imagine any of my grandchildren having to work at a place such as you just talked about this young age. Well, I agree with you. I, I, when I thought about it, I can't imagine a child as young as a kindergartner, because that's what a five or six year old is, working machinery. And I'm talking about heavy duty machinery. In my mind, I can see my granddaughter, my oldest one, pushing a wheelbarrow of stuff down an aisle in factory, where the cleaning wasn't done on the aisles. And I, I can imagine her dirty face and sweat coming from her body uh, due to improper ventilation in factory and um, and it being hot in the summer but then in the winter I'm thinking I can see her breath you know coming because there's no heat in the factory nothing was sanitary and many times accidents occurs and, and they will on the job anyway in today's time but you there might have been an adult or a child that was injured or even died because of the dangerous work they did Workers really complain to the staff and the management but about these conditions in these companies, but nothing ever seemed to happen to make it any better. Let's take a fast break, and when we come back, listeners, we're going to tell you more about Labor Day and what we're doing for Labor Day ourselves. We'll be right back. The URG Scholarship Foundation was founded in 2014 in honor of individuals who give their talent time, and very often their own finances to ensure the growth and success of the automotive recycling industry. We understand college is not for everyone, so each year the Foundation offers substantial financial scholarships to auto recycling employees and the children of employees that are attending four-year and technical or trade schools to assist with their education. Don't leave money on the table. If you have a child, or if you're interested in attending continuing education, this money is available to you. Go to u-r-g.com 
and click on the Scholarship Foundation tab. URG, keeping our industry strong through education. Welcome back, listeners. Every week, UE bring you new informative programs like this special edition on Labor Day. Remember, we're available on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. So let me do this, Sheila. What was the first company that had workers actually go on strike? In 1877, there was the Great Railroad Strike. Uh, we had, as a country, we were already in our fourth year of a recession, so wages were down. People were tired of working every day. And the company involved with the first strike was really the B&O Railroad, and that's located in Martinsburg, West Virginia. And they, what they did was they announced that wages would be reduced by 10%. So think about it. People who are working long hours with no time off and don't deserve to work for less money, but B&O demands uh, a 10% reduction in pay. They really just poured, poured uh, fuel on the fires, what they did. Well, Sheila, let me ask this one. I believe what you're saying in all this stuff. There were other events that caused a similar issue with workers. Tell our listeners a little bit about the Haymarket workers. Okay, in 1886, that involved the American Federation of Labor. They called for a general strike in Chicago, the city of Chicago, and they were demanding an eight-hour workday. And that is known today as the Haymarket Affair, and that's because of the area that it happened at. That Haymarket strike uh, quickly became violent. Somebody decided it was a brilliant idea to throw a bomb into the crowd, but that bomb killed some policemen and injured many workers. I think it was even 65 workers, to be exact. Another important strike was the Haystead strike, Homestead, Pennsylvania. There was a dispute between the workers and obviously the railroad company, but the railroad company locked out the workers, so they got a brilliant idea. Let's just lock them out. They can't work, and they thought it was such a great idea to bring in private security. But what it did was it caused more violence, and that strike involved the, the famous today that we know Carnegie Steel Company and the Iron Workers Association. Okay, Carnegie Steel was a big steel company, I know. What did both sides want? Well, the dispute began when the plant manager got a brilliant idea. He wanted to announce pay cuts for the hundreds of, of uh, homestead workers. And he refused to negotiate with the union, so he locked the steel workers out, hired 300 armed guards from the Pinkerton Detective Agency. We all are familiar with that. And that they were supposed to protect the non-union strike breakers, the people they brought in to continue working during the strike. Well, here's what each side really wanted. Carnegie Steel, obviously, wanted, as a company, wanted to reduce employee wages. And they really wanted to disband the union. But the union on the other side wanted to help the workers get more money in their pockets, and but also provide better working conditions. And there are many other major events that happened to kind of move this uh, labor movement along. Uh, there were other big companies that were also involved, too, as well. Well, folks, let's take a real fast break, and we'll be right back after the break. URG can help you streamline your business for maximum efficiency and increased profits. 
Access powerful software and unique tools. Receive top-level training with industry experts. Network with hundreds of recyclers. Employ e-commerce solutions to boost business. Receive support, resources, and discounts. Starting at just $150 a month, it's the smartest investment you will make for your business this year. Go to u-r-g.com and click on Become a Member. Your path to a profitable future is just a click away. That's u-r-g.com. Welcome back, listeners. You are listening to the URG Podcast on the go. Every week, we bring you new informative programs like this special edition on Labor Day. Remember, we're available on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, Sheila. I'm sure there had to be other major events that happened to help move this labor movement along. I'm interested, I know our listeners are interested in the Pullman Train Company and the Luxury Car Train. Explain to our listeners about that. Well, that was actually the Pullman Palace Car Company. I have to say that slow to get all the words in. But the issue was about the luxury trains that really provided wealthy and your upper middle class uh, riders with luxurious living and sleeping quarters when they traveled by train. Now, former slaves provided the valet services. So when the Pullman wanted to save money and reduce wages for their employees, they reduced the wages all the way down 30%, not 10%, but 30%, like other companies had done in the past. This, this included the servers on the train as well as the common workers who were actually making the train. So carpenters and silver plate workers made the most money, obviously, because they were more specialized, anywhere from $3 to three fifty per day. But the average worker made a dollar to dollar fifty per day, and if they happened to live in a company rental, then their rent was wasn't reduced, even though their wages were being reduced by thirty percent. So, when you look at it from our perspective now, greed certainly lined the pockets of the owners and upper management. But there was a head of the railway uh, union. Uh, his name was Eugene Debs. He kind of took notice. He was he got involved in the Pullman car strike and thought it was a brilliant idea uh, to persuade all other railroad companies to remove those Pullman cars. Kind of as in sympathy for those Pullman workers. So he was trying to push the company out of business in the long run is what he was trying to do. That might have seemed like a good idea at the time, Sheila. But what happened after that? And tell our listeners what helped the attention of the Pullman Car Company that caused the reaction after this? Debs kind of fueled the train workers' anger with a fiery speech. So he decided he'd, he'd talk a little bit, but it was so, so fiery that he made it at his protest rally that it prompted some protesters to set fire to a nearby building. And that caused derailment of a U.S. mail train. And all of us know, listening, that you can't ever mess with the U.S. mail. They've got to go through. So that really made everybody sit up and take notice. And kind of as a sidebar here, later, um, eventually, uh, George Pullman, the owner of the company, passed away. And do you know who took his place? It was the son of Abraham Lincoln, 
Robert Todd Lincoln, he ran that company as president for about 14 years after Pullman died. But until Lincoln took over, things looked pretty grim for this company, Pullman uh, Palace Car Company, uh, to try to stay in business. So some protesters were prosecuted. Um, they were in, some were imprisoned. Uh, I think there were several that were executed, while three were eventually pardoned by the governor's successor. But uh, none of it in the long run should have ever happened that way, but it did start negotiations for better working conditions and wages for workers. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I didn't know about Lincoln's son, Todd, doing all this. Well, I didn't either until I checked in deeper. Now, let me ask you about Eugene Debs. How did he get away with this and did he? And I mean, I understand what it was, what, you, what he probably wanted to happen. But it seems to me he used a lot of muscle instead of his brain. Well, I kind of agree with you. Debs spent six months in jail for his part in that, Good. for inciting violence, but he later would spend several decades in prison for other stuff that he did. So he was kind of a, a hothead. He entered the railroad work at age 14, but through the years he became an activist. And here's why. While he was in jail, the first time uh, he spent, he started studying the writings of Karl Marx. And we know that's not a good thing. Debs was convinced that the only way to get the right change that was needed was through enforcement. So to some degree, it kind of reminds me of what's going on in the country today. Political activists and climate change activists are trying to get us to believe what they believe and to make changes kind of in a, an enforcing way. So, But here's what happened to Deb. He ran for president on the socialist ticket. However, I kind of looked it up to see how many votes, DJ, that he would have gotten while he ran for president. He made, he got a short of a million of the votes, I think it was 900 and something, 900,000 or something, while he ran for president and he was in jail while he, when he ran. So, DJ, it's kind of been a struggle for the American workers for a long time, and some of the labor movement was good, but some of it, you know, it was very ugly. So, at the height of the Industrial Revolution, Americans really wanted things quicker and better selections, so, but it took years for labor laws and better working conditions to kind of catch up with our industrial progress. So thankfully today, we do have labor laws in place for our workers, and they make what we do better for our customers because businesses really give them better wages and working conditions than our past generations really had. We're almost at the end, Sheila. So here's the question I want to end with. What were some of the ends for this podcast, if you'd be kind of, what were some of the quotes about Labor Day? I picked out a couple, and yes, I, I would like to finish with those. Uh, and this is one in particular from Martin Luther King Jr. We all know him as uh, having uh, uh, what he did for civil rights. And I know they just celebrated his uh, I Have a Dream speech just recently. But here's what he said about the labor movement. History is a great teacher. Now, everyone knows that the labor movement did not diminish the strength of the nation, but enlarged it by raising the living standards of millions. Labor miraculously created a market for industry 
and lifted the whole nation to under undreamed levels of production. Those who attack labor forget these simple truths, but history remembers them. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. was really intuitive about the labor movement. Um, and DJ, here's another quote that I uh, saw from Dan Miller. He's the author of the book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Money is ultimately never enough. Compensation for investing one's time and energy. There must be a sense, and here's the three things he was talking about, a sense of purpose, meaning, and accomplishment. So whether your business yeah. owner, supervisor, or team leader doesn't matter, you just need to have that sense of purpose, meaning, and accomplishment and remind them that you're in business. Kayla, I want to tell the URG people, and if you'd be kind enough, um, we had a daughter, and you guys have listened to URG podcast, and I told Shelly last night before we did this podcast, it's a special edition for Labor Day. Our daughter, Erin, you've heard us talk about her and the grandkids. Their second home is in Treasure Island, Florida. And if you watched the news yesterday, the mayor of Treasure Island, Florida, was standing in three to four feet of water and talking to people about there. So I immediately called Erin, and she's home safely. Her husband's home safely. They got the boat out of the water, and they're home here in Georgia. And we, Chuck Camp and I, there's a lot of rain in Georgia, but we didn't lose power. But there's a lot of families that lost power. So should I tell them a little bit about what happened with Erin? Well, you know, she's going to have to go to Florida to check on the house to see what kind of personal damage there is down there. So they're, they're not those first few uh, streets of the uh, Treasure Island, like where all the water damage basically is. They obviously had rain because they're in the, on the eighth street, but she will be going down there to check on the house and, and uh, see what kind of damage is there and try to help out. So that's thank goodness they had the Labor Day weekend, an extra day off from school for the right. kids to go. But uh, we will be taking care of the dogs. The grand dogs is what we'll be taking care of. So it's a little bit different Labor Day this year than normally it's a celebration, but um, I just pray that the workers down there who are doing the de disaster recovery will be okay as they go through and try to help people restore themselves to what they had before, uh, that they'll all be safe and come home safely. You got it. And guys, you know that I'm a believer, so keep the people in Maui in our prayers also, and all the people that had the hurricane problem here in the United States. But the people in Maui need your prayers continuously. And without further ado, you have a blessed Labor Day weekend, and we'll see you next time on the URG On The Go podcast. Thanks for listening.